welcome to the Fertility Conversations podcast. The goal of this podcast is to create more awareness about infertility and to provide support to people trying to conceive. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you will be encouraged. And now, here is your host, Ola. Welcome to another episode of Fertility Conversations. Today, we're joined by a lovely guest, Kira Nevins, who is a fertility coach from Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, she received her coaching certificate from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, which focuses on holistic health and the mind-body connection. Kira also received a certificate from the Science of Wellbeing course offered through Yale University, uh, which focuses on positive psychology and how to live a better and happier life. Yay. <laughs> Kira's journey through infertility led her to a passion and purpose, which is to support and empower women to own their fertility story and to break through the taboo of infertility. Uh, Kira's details would also be in the show notes so that way you're able to reach out to her and connect with her after listening to this episode. So thank you so much, Kira, for joining us today. So glad to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad we're finally connecting. I'm I know, yeah. After yeah, a while. I'm excited. I'm excited thank to you, be here. Thank you. Yes, glad to have you here. And we usually start off by saying, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. Okay. I would love to. Yes. Um, so I was actually born in Ireland um, and I moved over to the States when I was five. So I am uh, one of four. Um, and I feel like that will play into my fertility story a little bit. But I'm really close with my immediate family. And I think it's because we were the only ones kind of over here um, and all our extended family was um, back in Ireland. So um, I am very close with them and always wanted to emulate that family growing up. Um, and, uh, but I went to school for fashion and I was a jewelry buyer for 10 years for a prominent mm -hmm. um, e-commerce website. It was so much fun. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and then over the last few years, during part of my fertility journey, my infertility journey, um, it really led me to the self-improvement and health and wellness world. And I really started exploring that um, and becoming passionate about that. And that's what has led me now to be a fertility coach. Wow. Amazing. Well done. Fashion, eh? That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. <laughs> and do you get to go to Ireland? Do you have you visited um, or since? So actually, I'm really excited. In August, we're going to Ireland for my dad's 70th birthday. So we're oh, having wow. a great family reunion. Um, and it will be my kids' first time going. So I'm really excited. But I haven't been back in probably like like nine or 10 years. So yeah. That's amazing. That'd be lovely. It's so exciting. Yeah. I know. I'm really excited. It'd be super cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so just again, talking about fertility, uh, before we get into that, I know that you're married and I wanted to, uh, want to ask how you and your spouse met. Yes. So we have a bit of a scandalous story way, way back in the day. <laughs> so we started dating. Um, I was 19 and he was 21. Um, but at the time I was dating someone else and he had just kind of finished dating one of my sister's best friends. Wow. He's a couple of years older. Yes. Yeah, so that was a bit of a scandalous get together. And um, we had to work through some people being a little upset, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but it turns out, you know, we are still together 19 years later, which is wild. We've been married for 12 years. 
Um, I mean, he's my best friend. We've been through a lot together and um, I couldn't ask for a better partner. He's pretty amazing. Wow, that's lovely. <laughs> and was it when you met right away that you knew you wanted to become a mom or do you always know that you wanted to become one? I feel I I feel like I always knew I wanted to be a mom. I think, you know, going back to how I was saying I was really close with my family. Um, hmm. And it, it brings me back to like this one specific memory that I had with my best friend um, on Block Island, which is an island right outside of the of Boston um, and or Rhode Island, um, that area. And we would just daydream about each, we each wanted four kids and we wanted our husbands to be best friends. And I wanted them all by 30. And um, it was definitely just a huge belief of mine, but I still, I still had like career aspirations and it wasn't the only thing I wanted, but I knew that I wanted to be a mom for sure. Mm. And you noted how you know, from your previous um, career, you then in the last few years, you then, you know, based on your own fertility journey, uh, you made some changes. Uh, so I wonder if you could share a bit about your fertility journey and your path to parenthood. Yes, absolutely. And like, that's why I'm here. I'm so passionate about it now because a big part of my story is that I actually lied about doing IVF and I was so ashamed of my infertility. Um, and I didn't have anyone to talk to about it. And um, I just felt so alone and isolated and ashamed and broken and all the things. And so um, it was a long time after until two years after my story that I opened up. Um, and that was really because I actually met a neighbor um, down the street and we like immediately clicked and she was actually from Ireland as well. And she had twins the exact same age and she did IVF and she was so open and confident about her decision and like just her like was so comfortable and I was the opposite of that. And so like I call her my twin flame now because we mirror each other in so many ways, but she's also a, a twin flame helps you overcome some of your insecurities and fears. Mm -hmm. And like through her, I gained the strength to open up about my story. And two years after I told um, family members that didn't know and my uh, friends and coworkers, um, and it was just um, such an important thing, I think, to do to let go of that shame and guilt um, and just help me evolve as a person. And it's why now I can't stop sharing, can't stop talking about it. But um, I think it's just so important and community is so important. Um, and I just don't want anyone to feel so alone. Um, but my story is pretty um, in depth, like there's kind of two parts of it. So I'll start with like the first uh, journey and feel free to interrupt me at any time if I get too granular. Um, but so, yeah, we got married pretty young because we had met young. So six years after we were together, I was 25 and he was 27. Um, and I went off birth control right away. We didn't want kids right away, but I also wasn't going to prevent it. Like at the time, my best friend already had two kids, even though we were young and my sister um, was pregnant at my wedding and like, it was just kind of around us. Um, right. but I was enjoying my career at the time. So, you know, I wasn't being adamant about like tracking my cycles or anything like that. So then at around 27, um, I started to be like, okay, it hasn't happened. So like, I really now would like kids and started to track my cycles and tried the ovulation kits. And I could go on and on and forever about how frustrating I found those like I always just like, they didn't work or I'd have a flash uh, the same flashy days for like 10 days. And 
So I became very frustrated after about a year. Um, and so I went to, we went to see a fertility specialist then, which, you know, um, as you know, all these like steps that we end up taking are just such huge leaps and they feel so overwhelming, right? Like through all of these different, um, steps we take. But so the first, even just going to the fertility specialist was so overwhelming Mm -hmm. and having all the testing done. And then, um, we were diagnosed with unexplained infertility. Um, so it was a little frustrating, but also kind of hopeful because we didn't, there wasn't technically anything wrong. Um, although it felt like there was a lot wrong, but so we, so we were told to do six months of Clomid. And I remember even that choice was tough for us because it increases your chances about five to 10% for twins. And I remember at the time twins to us felt like just so overwhelming. Um, and again, our perspectives change so much as we continue on the journey. Um, and so we did six months of Clomid and that didn't work. Um, and then we moved to IUIs. Um, and so, that was also a really, I feel like a very vulnerable experience um, because like I mentioned, I wasn't telling anyone at work. Um, and so I remember even going into work right after I had just had the procedure done and getting wow. a coffee with the co- co-worker and just not being able to like say anything that was really going on in my life, you know, was so um, eye-opening and it really just gave me that realization, like that human experience, like we just don't know what other people are going through and just to really be empathetic and kind, we just have no idea, you know? Um, So that was a very vulnerable experience and then those didn't work. Um, And so then we were at the crossroads of IVF. And as I mentioned mentioned earlier, I'm from Ireland and I, I was raised Irish Catholic. And so although I don't share these beliefs, it was really ingrained in the back of my mind. Like this was wrong. And like, I really like, um, had a hard time with that decision of going forward with IVF. And so at the time, my husband and I would go, we would actually wake up an hour before work at that time. And we would take our dog Banksy for a walk. And we really just like, through those like years connected so much. Um, and that was really like a great outlet and, and important to have. And during one of those walks, when we were faced with the decision to do IVF, my husband explained it to me as if like I was diagnosed with cancer and wouldn't I use any medical, um, interventions or medicine that I could to help, you know, with that condition. And it really is interesting as now I'm in this infertility world, I feel like people don't really look at infertility as a disease and it is a disease like um, categorized by the world health organization. So I think it just helps to reframe your mind around it. And so the, when he explained it like that to me, I, you know, completely was on board. Um, And so then of course, once we made that decision, I also had the presumption that IVF was a guarantee. And I was like, this is obviously going to work. It's IVF. I can't believe I'm even here. I'm doing IVF. Oh my God, it's going to work. So then we did our first egg retrieval. And I remember even during that experience, we ended up having to do emergency ICSI with my husband. Um, But I remember being in the hospital when they told us, and it just, again, felt like another blow, like 
of things working against us and our doctor hadn't like prepared us for it. And it just felt like so overwhelming in that moment. Um, but luckily the ICSI worked and we had um, three healthy embryos. And so our first transfer, um, you know, we were told our chances were really high and we were very hopeful. And then um, I will never forget getting that phone call that it didn't work and we were just devastated. And I think that for me was a big turning point. And so for the next round of IVF, I was adamant on putting two in the last two embryos. I was like, I'm so sick of being told like our chances are high, this is going to work. And I was just like, this is it. We're doing two. Um, and then that is what resulted in our beautiful twin girls, um, which we're so blessed with. Yes. So that was, um, an amazing, amazing result, of course. Um, but overwhelming, of course, to go through all of that. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) That's amazing. You know, congratulations on your twins. Um, thank you. It's interesting to listen to, you know, your journey and that was, that must have been so hard and not having anyone to speak about it. Yeah. I think, you know, that, that is really now, like, um, when I, think about what I would have done differently and advice to other people is just to get that support. And, um, there's nothing to be ashamed about. Like this is not your fault. And, um, you know, not that you have to share your story with everyone like I do and with the world, (laughs) but just find a small group of people, um, that you can confine it. And even now there's just so many wonderful resources. And again, this was about eight years ago. So, I'm not sure. I'm sure these resources were there. I do feel like the Instagram community though is a great resource and that wasn't there, or at least I didn't find it. Um, but if you are listening and looking for so- support, resolve.org has so many great free support groups. And I think that's amazing to just go on, even if you're, even if you want to turn your camera off and just listen, um, I think you'll find a lot of comfort in that. And there's also um, Fertility Rescripted. That's a wonderful free community as well. Um, And there's like live chats with other women that you can connect um, with what you're going through. And there's, you know, specific support groups as well, like to if you're going through donor eggs or IVF, primary infertility, secondary infertility. So um, it's just so important. And to get support. And that's why I'm so passionate now about being a fertility coach and guiding other women through, um, through this really emotional roller coaster of infertility. Um, yeah. So you say that your experience was your inspiration then in terms of you becoming. A yes, I, I think so. The, we'll get into the second part of my story, but I think with the first part of my story, I really resisted it. You know, I didn't tell anyone and I feel like what you resist persists. And I think when I continued to try to build my, my family is when it kind of came back again to haunt me. And I really had to face this, um, and had to do, you know, a lot of inner work on myself to, um, figure out how to move forward from where I was stuck. Um, but so, yeah, so I can start to talk about the second part, kind of tie some of it in, but after something that is important to mention after my twins, Um, we actually had a surprise pregnancy, which I never could have imagined, um, with my son. So he's actually a year and one week apart from the twins. So he almost gets (laughs) the triplet title, which is wild. 
Um, and his story is kind of interesting um, because I, after carrying the twins, had developed an umbilical hernia. Um, and so I was going in for surgery, actually, the morning I found out I was pregnant with my son. Wow. So I, yeah, I had a routine um, doctor's appointment and she had done like a, a pregnancy test because I think she knew I had the surgery coming up. Um, and so that morning, you know, my mom's on her way. She was going to watch the twins. They were only like, I think four or six months old at the time. And then my husband was going to take me in for surgery. And then my doctor called, um, that morning and she's like, I have some news. You're like four months pregnant. <laughs> and I'm like, what? You know? And at the time, you know, my body was so like different from the twins. And I just thought, you know, and it was already pushed out because of the umbilical hernia. And so, um, but that was, I mean, on that was the best news we ever could have. Wow, what imagined. a miracle. <laughs> yeah, it really was. I was, um, we were so taken aback and so happy and just, just overjoyed. It was, it was incredible. Um, and so, so, so I have my twins and my son. And then, as I mentioned earlier, I always dreamed of having four children, um, mm-hmm. And I say that really sensitively because I know how hard that is for people with infertility and are just desperate for one child. And I was there and I just want to make sure people feel seen. I don't want that to come off the wrong way. Um, but it was a really big belief that I tied to my happiness, I think really without understanding how heavily it weighed. And I started to run on autopilot and miss the joy in front of the three kids I did have. And I was just, um, not being present. And I was so siloed on this one goal of like, I will only be happily happy when my family is complete. When I have four kids, it was just, um, totally ingrained in my, in my belief system. And, you know, now after doing all the work and, um, identifying why it's, it's wild to know, like there's as humans, we have 12 to 60,000 thoughts a day and 80% of those are repetitive and then 90% (laughs) are negative. So it's just so important. Like to give yourself the self-compassion that you deserve on your infertility journey and how like much these thoughts weigh and also just to pay attention to them. Cause I think sometimes we just run on autopilot and don't reevaluate things. Right. And again, when I made that belief that I had, I was probably 15 on block Island on that story. I was telling you with my best friend Um, And then I didn't ever reevaluate it as a new mom of three with three kids under three, you know, and my husband not wanting a fourth. So we were fighting all the time and it was really not um, a great, you know, place to be. And I just would not let it go. Um, And so that was really tough. And so finally, like I did convince him to try after a while. And then he was like, we're not doing any art assisted reproductive technology. Um, And so that was when, for me, I became really obsessed with like my diet um, and I became vegan um, and I became um, a term that's called orthorexic, which like you, it's called, it's where you get really obsessive about the quality of what you put in your body. Like everything has to be organic and clean. Um, you know, I wouldn't go out to eat. And I, if I went to my mom's house, I would bring my lunch. Like it just became a bit paralyzing. Um, and I will say, you know, obviously, um, knowledge is power. And I did try and educate myself and learn about how to take control of my fertility. And some of those resources I'm happy to share are wonderful, which is, um, how to take charge of your fertility by Tony Weschler. And she does an amazing job teaching you about, 
you know, the three fertility signs of your body um, and how to identify those. Um, and just a, a, like the FAM method of fertility awareness method, using those three signs to like track your ovulation. And I still use her book for like my hormone health today. So she's, it's wonderful knowledge. And then another book I read was it starts with an egg and that is also a wonderful book, but can be very overwhelming as well. Like that was my mm-hmm. first exposure, right. To endocrine <laughs> disruptors, which are um, hormones that in, or um, chemicals that interfere with your hormones. And I just felt like, you know, I would stare at my plastic water bottle being like, you were the reason I'm not pregnant. <laughs> you know, I was taking it next level. And because I, it was the first time I was learning about that stuff mm-hmm. and it was, it felt really overwhelming, um, and paralyzing to be honest. And so really now, like I just try and help clients focus on like progress over perfection because it's nothing you could never eliminate all toxins. It's absolutely impossible. Um, and so, at that time, you know, I wasn't coming from a place of empowerment. My husband really didn't want a fourth. I was kind of forcing him into trying and I was being resentful. I felt resentful towards him because I felt I was doing all of this work on my body and and depriving myself so much. Um, And then one of the, my kind of rock bottoms um, was I had just bought a new car, a Chevy Traverse, and I was pulling into CVS and I hit a parked car. Like, I was just so like the men, the headspace that I was at, I was so overwhelmed and sad. I think I had got my period that morning and I just sat there and cried and I realized like, I have to make a change. Um, and so that was when I went home and I tried to do some research and I, um, found a fertility coach. Um, and so even just from that one phone call with her, she, I, I list, I could hear myself from an aerial view, like an out of body experience. And at the end of the call, I was like, can I pay you through Venmo? So my husband doesn't have to know. <laughs> and I just realized like when I hung up, I'm like, okay, Kira, you cannot keep going like this way. You know, something doesn't feel right. This isn't a partnership. This doesn't feel like good, you know? And so she became a bit of a mentor and she is the one that told me about this, the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. And so that's where I went to, um, school for health coaching and fertility coaching. And so they, the philosophy of that school is wonderful. Um, and just ties into that headspace of where I was at, like where I was just trying to be like completely healthy with what I put in my body, but was like, not, in tune with the relationships in my life. So their philosophy is you have your primary foods, which is everything that you eat. And then your secondary foods, which is your relationships and your career and your body movement and your spirituality. And that if you're not balanced in all of those different areas, you know, then um, something's out of whack and you got to pay attention to that, to all areas and not just one, like not just eating super healthy or So um, through that year, I really did a ton of self self growth and self healing and learned many holistic tools to help me really identify that belief system I was so tied on to uh, tied to with my happiness and how to change from that goal set into really a system mindset of having a daily practice of meditation and journaling and breath work. Um, And I, I'm a runner and just things that learning more. I lost myself so much in infertility and just getting a piece of me back and even, even becoming a different, better version of myself. Um, 
And so that really is kind of what birthed this fertility coaching career for me. So instead of a fourth child, I really um, fell into this passion for fertility coaching and trying to help other women on their journeys. Wow. <laughs> you know, because it's a lot. <laughs> it, it is, it is but, but you highlighted a lot of important factors and realities of infertility, right? Because again, and it was right for you to state what you wanted. You felt that having four children was important to you and that's what you wanted. And that, yeah. should, that should be respected as well because yes, there are people that are still trying to have their first children, but that's, you know, both journeys are valid. And so just in case, and just for anyone listening, it's fine that if you want more children and it's fine if you're trying to have your first, like both situations are fine. You know, we're all at different stages in our journeys and that's okay. But it was interesting to note how you know, from your training and your coaching, letting you know the importance of balancing both your primary and secondary foods. I never heard that before, but yeah. it, is really, it really is important, right? That um, everything plays a role. Yeah, looking at yourself as a whole, um, yeah. exactly. And making sure you're balanced. And I just think, you know, I never really sat and reevaluated these disbelief that I held onto for so long. And is it tied in with my values and what I value as a person? And, um, and it was just learning all those, like, I, I, I feel like everyone should be able to go to, to, to this school and learn these yeah. holistic tools, like to help with adversities in your life. I think that's a gift that infertility gave me is just, finding a way to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. And that's definitely in infertility, but that's in so many other avenues of life as well. And just, I feel like infertility is learning how much life is out of our control, unfortunately, just as so many other things are. And so it's important to try and be able to like live through that. And that's a big part of infertility is, is unfortunately we stop living because we're, we're tied down to doctor's appointments and, you know, we're like constantly overwhelmed with the anxiety of it, of it and the what ifs. And I think, um, just trying to be, stay grounded when you can and be in the present moment and celebrate the small wins along the way is so important and so hard. I'm not saying any of this is easy. Um, it's always, and it's a practice, right? It's like, it's, it's trying things every day that help you to feel your best or as best as you can in that moment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well said. And the fact that, you know, you can easily get obsessed with trying to eat right. Yeah, yeah, we're doing all the shoulds and, and <laughs> do's and the don'ts. I mean, that's the thing, right? Is it takes over your whole life is like, yeah. and then you have that like inner voice of of just constantly hounding yourself negatively. Like you shouldn't have that glass of wine or you shouldn't mm-hmm. have that piece of chocolate. And it's like, just, just so overwhelming. And I think oh, what infertility taught me as well is just like really how to show yourself self-compassion and yes. like- speak to yourself like you would your best friend and like validating why you're feeling this way. I think we try and like with infertility, push it away. Everything's fine. Go on with other aspects of your life, but it's, it's not fine. And it's like so challenging. It's like, we all have this picture in our head of what we always like grew up to imagine our family would be. And it's ripped away from us. And it's like a really, really, 
a tough thing to come to terms with and accept and evolve with. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I think it's, it infertility just made such an impact in my life for sure. Yeah, sure. So we, of course, like, and it's right, like you said, infertility, I don't think you live infertility unchanged. It usually definitely leads a change. It changes in so many ways. Absolutely. Um, how did it impact yourself and your spouse and the relationship? Because you know, I know you noted earlier how you had a, an idea of what your family should look like and you had a yes. different idea. And, yes, it was really hard. I mean, the first time I mentioned... Um, when we were starting to grow our family, we had never been more connected and we would carve out that time. We would go for hour walks with our dog and mm -hmm. I would look for signs and I would find dandelions on our walk and I would always make a wish, um, of course, for our family. And so to this day, when I see a dandelion, I still like, it's, it's weird. I go to make the wish and I, I, it's now changed, but it's like, I, I always now I'm wish for healthy and happy for healthy and happy kids that I have, but it's like, um, it's still there where I, I like go to make that wish. Um, yeah. and they just have such, um, a strong, a strong meaning for me. Um, and, um, but so that was our first experience. And then the second experience was really rough. Um, I'd say for like about a, a solid, like year of just fighting and arguing and not being on the same page and we'd always been on the same page and um it was so hard for me again to just let go of of this this one dream but it was like i our home was beautifully chaotic trust me it was not quiet you know and i was working full time and i wasn't really listening to myself i was like again just so siloed i didn't like stop to reevaluate oh okay like i have i'm blessed with these three beautiful kids i'm working full time uh, i can barely like even get any sleep or even like function. And then I'm fighting with my husband all the time. And so um, it was really challenging during that time for sure. Um, and I think luckily through doing the self-work that I did, um, I that was able to repair it. Um, and I'm very grateful. Yeah. And thank you yeah. so much for sharing that and being so vulnerable to share because I know that it is definitely an impact. It's an area that's highly impacted in different people's relationships. It's just, yeah. you know, people have different ideas of, you know, what options should be considered or when to start this or what not to do. And it's just, it's different. And everyone has different coping mechanisms, you know, where we, I might think, well, you should cry more. And the other person thinks, no, I don't want to cry or I want to talk about it. The other person doesn't want to talk about it. And, you know, so it does have such a huge impact on relationships. So thank you for sharing yes of course. and how it impacted you and you mentioned that you know you doing your work for the institute of integrative nutrition was very helpful so you know for anyone that might be listening and wanting to do the same do they just reach out to you about it or do they go online and is this available online as well or do you have to for, the, in person? for the, the class yes yeah, so it's, yeah. it's called iin um it's okay. and it's um you can do it virtually actually anyone okay. can um, it's a bit expensive, but, um, it's a, it's a year course, um, for health coaching and all about wellness. Um, and it's wonderful. Um, it, it really is. It teaches many different, um, tools and that's really what I have, um, used as well in my fertility coaching, um, 
that I do for other women is I'm really passionate about helping them find, you know, mindset tools and ways to deal with adversity and anxiety, um, things that work for them, like meditation and journaling and movement um, and crying, like you said, or all this yeah. different self-care. Honestly, like I think a big part of infertility is trying to kind of avoid the pain that's unfortunately inevitable. And I think um, it's just making sure that you don't push away those feelings and that you can hold a space, you know, for, for like fear and hope and sadness, like everything there's mixed emotions. And um, so I think it's just, yeah, it's overwhelming. It's a lot. Yeah, it is. It is. It and for is. people listening, wanting to reach out to you for support or for coaching, what are the best ways to reach you? Um, yeah, so my uh, website is the fertility mama spelled M A M A. Um, and so, um, you can email me through there or, um, you can actually book a free consultation through there to start. Um, and then my Instagram handle is the fertility mama as well. And you can always DM me, um, as well. Okay. And for people that are like listening and wanting to know the, Perhaps you have what type of people or what people in what level of their journey or what stages of their journey, who, who is your average client, for example? Yeah. So who can reach out to you? So literally anyone. Um, right. I think I, so I do one-to-one coaching and I really try to meet everyone where they're at. So um, of course I have like a training and there's things that I like to, to expose people to, but everyone is so different. And as we know, the areas of infertility affect like so many different areas, like your relationship, if that's something you want to focus on, um, or your, um, you know, just different areas, um, in fertility. Um, but we, I do, I work with women for trying to help them like take control of their fertility. So some women I work with now are doing their, like, working on the three fertility signs and really getting to know their body, um, and haven't started, um, any art procedures yet. And then some of the women I work with, um, are already doing IVF. Um, and some, so it's, it's, and then some, some women I've worked with, um, through pregnancy. So it's really a variety of support of where people are kind of, um, feeling stuck and we can identify that and work through it together. Um, and I can try and help them. If I don't know the resource, I try and find the resource or, um, or if I do have that, then like, if I have that experience through IVF or helping them find fertility clinics, even switching fertility clinics is something right now uh, that we're working on with, with one. So it's kind of just a a variety. Um, But like I was saying, I'm really passionate about helping women find themselves again when they feel lost. So really trying to like help them with self-compassion and those, um, you know, holistic tools that I mentioned earlier of journaling and movement and, um, meditation and breath work. Um, and then as, as well as where they want to focus, if it's on their specific fertility through diet, or if it's, um, through art, um, procedures. So it's, it's a bit of a variety. I know some coaches are just one thing, which I haven't done that yet. Cause I tend to work with, um, broad uh, people so far. Um, so yeah, so all, all women are welcome. 
Well, that's great though, because you know, it is, it's nice to be able to reach out to someone and knowing that they can help you regardless of where you're at. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. because, and then people, even you can set up for the client that was perhaps trying to conceive and then even after conceiving throughout the whole pregnancy and then even after they have kids, they can still need support. So yeah, it's if they need that. I think exactly. I think it's really about um like community and connection for me too and helping women feel seen and heard and valued and validated for why they, you know, how they're feeling. I think and infertility is like we were saying earlier, it feels like it's not looked at as a disease, but it's the mental impacts are so are comparable to people diagnosed with like really serious illnesses like cancer and HIV and heart disease. And so again, it's just like really validating that for women and making sure that they feel seen and that they're, they know how valid their feelings are. Exactly. And that's so important. And that's why I really love the fact that, you know, when you were talking to your husband and he kind of brought that in there, that, you know, if there was someone that had another disease, they will seek treatment and it's a disease. And I think that really is so important to know that it's not your fault. Like it's not, it's nothing you've done. Exactly. And like, unfortunately our inner voice is so tough on ourselves and we just kind of continue. And I think just the value in general that society puts on women being mothers and the pressure around that and you feel less feminine and it's like this whole other baggage tied to it as well and so it's just it's really important and I hope everyone that's listening just knows it's not their fault and they're not alone um and they're not broken you know so important so helpful yeah. to know that yeah thank you um do you have any quotes or affirmation that you found really helpful during your journey that you'd like to share I um well as I mentioned before I'm a big advocate for signs um and yes. I was listening to <laughs> Andrew Huberman who is a neuroscientist um I was listening to him on a Jay Shetty podcast and he was talking about how you can actually like how signs actually release dopamine, which is like the feel good hormone and that Mm. you can actually train your brain to like, to tie that sign internally and externally. So if you find a sign, like for me, it was dandelions that gave me hope that even if you just vision, visualize them, if you're not seeing them, it will make you feel better in that moment. So definitely for me, like that was, um, really helpful and encouraging on my journey. Um, and I think now as I'm helping women, I try and tell them to look at it like you trying to trust that the dots will connect in the future. So Steve Jobs commencement speech in Stanford, he said, you know, we can, we can't conduct connect the dots looking forward. We can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that one day they will connect. And I think, um, that's really beautifully said and really hard to do when you're in the thick of it and when horrible things are happening and you have to move forward, but it's just to hold on to hope when you can. Yeah. So well said, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And knowing who, all that you know now, Kira, looking back at 21 year old you. Yeah. You tell her. Oh my gosh. I would tell her that there's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, and what we said, it's not your fault. You're not broken. And I would really say, please get the support you deserve. Like 
there don't keep this a secret. There is like nothing to be ashamed of and shame dissipates when we tied it, when we talk about it. Um, so I would really tell my younger self to get the support that, that she deserved and to find community. And there's such a beautiful connection in this community with people. Um, and it's so meaningful and so helpful. Beautiful. Love that. Thank you for sharing. And as a wrap up, are there any final words or words of encouragement that you'd like to say to anyone that is listening currently on their own fertility journey? Yeah. Um, I I would love to just, I really want to honor everybody where they are on their journey. Um, and I just want, again, them to feel seen and, and heard. Um, and another quote that I do love um, by John Lennon is, it's going to be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. Yeah, I love and I, it just, I love that one, you know, and it, it kind of covers all different outcomes um, and journeys. All of our journeys are so different. Um, and it just kind of also ties into like, you're connecting the dots right now and, you know, it will all it will all come together the way it's going to in the end. So, and yeah. Yes. I love it. I love that one. I always write it out. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kira. It has really been a pleasure having you on here today. Um, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your story. Uh, thank you because, you know, for highlighting the importance of speaking out and sharing because it's so important that we continue to speak so that we can destigmatize infertility. Because again, like you said, it's not anyone's fault. Yeah. You haven't done anything wrong. So well, thank you so much for the community you provide and for having this podcast so people can share their stories and your wonderful, inspiring Instagram. Honestly, you're amazing. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much, Kiora. And you too, you're amazing. I really have been blessed having you on here. So encouraging and really insightful for sharing your story and all that you're now doing to support other women. So that's amazing that, you know, you know, you didn't like after having your family, you still went ahead to provide support, knowing how important that would have been for you during your own journey. So thank you for all that you're thank doing. You. It's really thank appreciated. You. And we look forward to having you again in the near future. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Fertility Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Fertility Conversations. If there are any topics you would like to have discussed, please send an email to fertilityconversations at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you again for listening. Take care of yourself and do stay hopeful.